Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. What's up, y'all? It's Jasmine with the New Black Collective, and you are now tuned in to Stories of the Streets. And as always, Stories of the Streets is sponsored by Change Waco, Black Scent, the New Black Collective, and did I get everybody? I got everybody, right? Rogue Media Rogue Network. Media. Did I forget Rogue <laughs> Media with the sign right here? I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> Today's guest is one of my past teachers, Mrs. Angela T. Kell. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Angela T. Kell, um, one of Jasmine's. Teachers. Miss <laughs> <laughs> um, Kell has a, a lot going on, just like me. Um, I wanted to kind of bring her on so we could talk about um, how she's worked with not only just me, but some of my peers throughout the years of Waco and also her role in WISD. Yeah. So, tell your story. Okay. Well, I um, was trying to remember when I noticed the podcast but I think it was probably because I was stalking Jasmine <laughs> because she was one of my dear students and it's a long time has passed now. But um, I did teach um, for a couple of years at University High School. I've been practicing law in Waco for close to 35 years. And in the middle of my um, career as a lawyer, I um, decided to go teach. My mother was a teacher, and I always wanted to be a teacher and got to a point in my life that I just didn't feel like what I was doing was meaningful, and I wanted some purpose, and so I uh, got alternatively certified, got a job at University High School teaching criminal justice, and um, wouldn't change the experience for anything but it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Practicing law uh, pales in comparison to all of the things that teachers are required to do. But I have to say, when anybody asks me if I had any regrets or um, if I if um, I was sorry I did it or um, if I missed it, what I miss are the students. What I miss is Jasmine oh. and and all the other students that I really um, fell in love with. And I think as a teacher, that's what you have to do to do the job right. You have to um, you have to find a way to be in relationship with your students. Um, you have to you have to be uh, you have to understand um, before you want them to understand you. I think, uh, that was a very humbling experience. I grew a lot from it and, um, I look back on it fondly, but now I, um, I returned to the practice of law after, um, that experiment with teaching high school 
And I have continued to practice law since then, but I primarily focus on school law. So um, after I left teaching, I focused on school law, worked for a school district as their general counsel. And the last three years, I have um, I work with my husband, who's also a lawyer in town. And my practice is um, primarily representing school districts. On the side, I um, am starting my 12th year as a trustee of the Waco ISD board. And since, um, let's see, two years ago, was elected the board president. And so I'm starting my third year as the president of the board. Cool. So I'm very invested in public education. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> when, okay, I want to... Before we jump into the like IZ stuff, just because I was curious, um, what did you like? Were you a defense attorney or were you like a prosecutor or like you just? Well, my dad was a district attorney. Mm -hmm. I grew up with um, always thinking that I would be a prosecutor because um, I admired him and um, campaigned with him when he ran for office, and he was the district attorney um, for almost thirty years. Wow. And um, then I went to law school and realized that not everybody is a criminal lawyer. <laughs> I didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, uh, got a job working for the federal judge here in Waco as a briefing attorney. And because of that experience, ended up going to practice civil law um, and did civil litigation for about 17 years before I had my wild hair. <laughs> And went to teach at university. That's true. Yes, I'm sitting here thinking, like, this sounds like hard work. Yeah. Sounds like of, I wouldn't do it. Oh. <laughs> a lot of hard work and dedication. And, you know, we need people like that, especially in both fields. Like, I know you said that, um, like, teaching is a little bit more, like, uh, I'm trying to think, requires a little bit more than, you know, being a lawyer. But, no, we need, we need the right people in both of those positions. So... I, I, I admire you for being able to jump back and forth because there's a lot of people in life who think they can't, uh, you know, do one thing. So for you to have, you know, so many different avenues that you kind of have your hand into, it's really like inspiring. It's kind of also like a testimony like, hey, you know, you can do more than one thing. If you want to be a lawyer for 10 years and then want to be a teacher, you can do it. Like, you know, you, yeah. can, you can do it. Um, it was really scary. <laughs> and um, I think that it was something I really needed to do. I, th I think, but for that experience, um, I would not have grown. I wouldn't have um, just gained perspective I didn't have. Um, so I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm glad I did it. But, um, you know, teaching is a skill and great teachers. So everybody thinks since they've been in school, they know what it's like to be a teacher and they can be a teacher yeah. and um, it's a skill and it takes years. <laughs> to, it takes years to hone. And um, I realized kind of mid uh, life that it would be years before I was a great teacher. And um, meantime, I already practiced law for almost mm. 20 years and was pretty good at it. <laughs> so I thought, I think I'll go back to what I was pretty good at and take this experience um, as a teacher and um, use it in the practice of law. So I've been able to merge both worlds. 
I don't think that we felt like you weren't a great teacher. I think a lot of us, um, when we got the option to take those classes, we're excited. We didn't know what to expect either. And I think the craziest part is we knew that we were all on a journey together yeah. the entire time. But we were like, well, we're going to Miss Tico's class and we're about to go learn something. And I think that you knew that you were on a journey and we were like, well, she's figuring out everything with us. And then we had the opportunity to do like mock trial and things like that. So it made it easier for all of us to kind of figure things out together. And so us being, you know, hands on with our learning, I think that's what made it easier for us Mm -hmm. to not judge you. (laughs) Because it wasn't like we were learning math, like, oh, she's about to give us the equation. and She doesn't even know how to work the equation. So I think that for us being able to be hands on and like work the cases like we were actually going to court that made it easier for us to like you. That sounds like fun. <laughs> it was it was fun. We were we never at fun. school. And that was the best part. We were always doing something. And so that really did make it easier. Like I know my friend, she's like, where are y'all going? And we would be like to Baylor. <laughs> we're going to Baylor and we would like even outside of school like we still had a relationship. And I think that that was important for us because a lot of teachers, you know, they just taught and said, well, I'm here to get a check. And we felt that, like, we felt the difference. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what made it easier for us to be, you know, ourselves with you. And you felt like you could be yourself with us. And we were just, you know, no, nobody ever really got in trouble in our classes either. And it yeah. was it was evident, though. And I think that, like she's saying, like, you have to build a relationship. And some people need to take that advice. A lot of people. You, I don't think you were um, in the class. The first test I gave was so bad. <laughs> and um, it was really early on. And I had in my mind an idea of what teaching was, which was very traditional stand up at the front, of, you know, everybody sitting prim and proper at their desk, looking at the teacher <laughs> with the pencil in their hand, ready to do whatever you tell them to. So my first test, um, Somebody in the room, I don't remember who it was now, got real quiet. And the test, I heard somebody say, um, well, I don't I don't think y'all cuss on your show. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, he used some profanity and wadded up the test. And it was, it was real quiet. Wadded up the test. So all you could hear was him. Got up, walked over to my desk. And threw it in the trash mm-hmm. within five minutes yeah. of me passing the test out. And while it was completely demoralizing, for me, it was, oh, my God, what a failure. It was such a moment because it it was the moment when I realized, oh, this is not at all what I thought this was going to be. The second really big moment real early on was I had um, a young man in my class who was sleeping every day, like seventh period. And again, very early. And I'm thinking, well, how disrespectful. Yeah. You're you're not respecting me. I deserve your respect. Well, he didn't know who I was and didn't care, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got really frustrated. I couldn't figure out how to get him to stop sleeping. So I wrote a referral. I had a meeting down in the principal's office with, I think his mother came, and I learned that he left school every day to go work 
at the Owens, Illinois glass plant. Oh, wow. He worked from eight to two in the morning. Wow. So by the time he was in my class at 2.30 in the afternoon, wow. he was whooped. Yeah. He was exhausted. And I remember thinking, well, I was ashamed of myself, first of all, that I didn't even didn't even consider that that might be. I just thought he was disrespecting. Yeah. So I remember that experience was just this huge shift in my realization that if I'm going to survive and I'm going to teach anything to anybody, I got to start I got to start figuring out well, number 1, I didn't deserve anybody's respect. I was going to have to earn it. And I was going to have to invest in each of you to figure out what made you tick while you were there. And, and like you said, it ended up being a journey together. But it was, I remember ha- by Halloween, I had finally started to, okay, I'm going to make it. But the other thing about it is um, when you invest in your students that way, you take them home with you every night and you worry about them and you try to solve all their problems for them and you have all these hopes and dreams for your students that become, it's a burden and a worry to be worrying about all of your students all of the time. So I think the really, the masters, they don't stop worrying or caring but they're able to compartmentalize to a degree that the job just doesn't bear you. Yeah. So the the, the irony is, is that's that's the part of the job that I miss the most because it was the relationships that were important to me. And then to not have them, that's a, that was a loss. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Because I know like (laughs) our class, was very um full of personality. Yes. <laughs> we had people like Clyde and Delisha. Yes. <laughs> and then there was Anthony. Yes. And oh it was so many Jessica like there was so many personalities in that one class and I'm just like, this is a lot. And so just imagine like you don't like we weren't your only class. Mm. And we were always like Huh, are we needy <laughs> and like this and you know we were we was like we're a lot and then I don't think that we ever considered that you had anyone outside of us it never felt that way and which is a good thing because it never felt like you were you know stretching yourself thin so like I said oh. we didn't know we had no idea <laughs> that's good <laughs> we had no idea <laughs> but I think it's cool because a lot of a lot of teachers uh, we had some really good teachers at university by the way um, and I attribute a lot of our successes to the staff that we had at the school. But then we did have some of those teachers, you know, um, not realizing that they're working in a school of predominantly minority children. And it was hard. And we questioned some of them a lot. We kind of we never got in trouble because they argued back with us. And we we're like, well, if you tell on us, we're going to tell on you because you said some things, too. But I think for the teachers that realized where they were and still invested, it helped us um, to not feel like we couldn't walk into spaces with people that didn't look like us. Because before, I don't I'm trying to think. I don't think that I had a relationship with a white teacher before I had one with you. Yeah. And 
it was different for me because I came from Jay Chines and Gio Wiley. So I was just like, okay, this is a little different, but I didn't feel afraid. And I think that was important because a lot of times it's the apprehension is there because you don't know. And when you're from East Waco and that's what all you know is East Waco and all you know is, you know, my teachers are, my principals are all black. And there may be, you know, sometimes there may be a teacher of another race there, but not all the time. Going to university was a culture shock for me. And that was my freshman year when you were my criminal justice teacher. (laughs) So I was just like, okay, this is different. It was very different for me. And I told my mom, I said, I think that I'm having a culture shock. (laughs) It's a lot of different people there. Because I'm used to, like, even students, like. So I'm wondering. So here we are um, when we know diversity and equity and inclusivity training is key. Yeah. And we still have so many people who don't think it's relevant (laughs) or needed or they don't need it or we don't need to be investing time and energy in it. But as you're talking, I'm wondering, um, so how, how do we, um, how do we reach those teachers that don't feel like it's just a lack of self-awareness? Some of them are old. Well, maybe, yeah. I mean, I think for me, <laughs> that, that 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 happens a lot. A lot of them just don't. They're just they don't want to change and bend and hear like you know that, that these ways are kind of more accepted and are you know well right. because it's not easy. Yeah, yeah. And to yeah. be to to self-examine, to question yourself, accept all that. Yeah. Some people just can't can't don't want to don't do want it. to that's the biggest thing because they don't want to uh yeah. going from me and my friend were talking about how stupid we were at 18 like last night and you know i'll be i'll be, <laughs> I'll be 23 next month and it's like you know you can you can learn something new every day and you know apply that change to like you know act differently so it's like with a lot of people who just don't you know get it you, you have to almost throw them in a boat of okay well you don't want to get it because at this point like you have all these examples of it working and all of examples of this, like, being the right way to do it, but you're still just so anti against it. Um, yeah, no, I, I that story that you said about, like, you just the two students that you interacted with, that gave a lot of um, just kind of insight to me because we had a lot of teachers that would just – I had this one teacher in particular who um, – she had two different classes in her day that would have her, like, break down and cry by the time we had, like, her class. Like, she'd just be so upset because of just – how she couldn't, like, get them to, like, just listen to her and, like, you know, like, learn and stuff like that. And I never thought she was a bad teacher. Like, I thought she was fine. I thought maybe she just kind of, like, overstressed herself, you know, a lot. But now thinking about it, I'm like, maybe this podcast, you know, existed, like, you know, like, you know, years ago. And she could have heard it. Then maybe she could have, like, figured out a way to balance it more because she was, she was one that took it home with her to the point that, like, she had like lost this baby that she was supposed to have and like had to stop teaching altogether. And I, I see her every now and then at work because um, I work at a grocery store, so she'll come in and like shop. And, uh, you know, she has, she's, had, she's had another kid now and she's like, you know, doing a whole lot better and stuff like that, but she doesn't teach anymore. So it just sucks that like there are people that are so passionate and, you know, are willing to do the work and kind of learn and just pivot to, you know, for the students, but just can't ever just, the, between the students and them, just can't ever just mm-hmm. make it, you know, work. Um, well, yeah. I don't, um, I don't like to fail. And so I was failing yeah. as a teacher and I had to figure out, figure it out because yeah. I thought, okay, this isn't working. And, um, your attitude 
And the way you've approached this thing, you're going to have to throw all that out and you're going to have to start over. And um, I don't, I mean, I remember those two catalysts, uh, but it was, I don't know, it just, it was that I'm going to figure this out. And very, it wasn't long before I realized figuring it out was understanding that Y'all didn't know who I was and didn't care. <laughs> we didn't. The only thing that we thought was cool was like when you told us who your brother was, we were oh. like, okay, you might your, be somebody. <laughs> who's your brother? My brother was a TV star. He oh. was on CSI, the oh, original cool. CSI, <laughs> Las Vegas. Okay, okay. He was um, an original cast member, and he was on the entire 14 years. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So when she told us that, we were like, oh, okay. <laughs> and we were like asking questions. And I think that's what kind of was like pivotal for us, too, because we started talking about that. And yeah. she like started showing us some of the episodes. The stuff, and yeah. that kind of <laughs> helped us to like develop a relationship because we were like, oh, we watched that show but I mean, like she said, she had to learn and find something that would connect us. And I think that worked very well because we were like, oh, that's so cool. Like, you know, we're in ninth grade. We're like, your brother's who? Yeah. Oh, I watched this show. So it, <laughs> it helped. Well, and that's it, Jasmine. I think so. I can't remember what I read recently about we all we're we're more alike than we are different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you you have to work to find a common something in common with someone that you perceive you don't have anything. And so if you just assume I don't have anything in common and you don't do any work on your part to try to find a way to connect, it's on you. It's not on the other person. And so um, it it is work. And um, I don't know. You know, a lot of people just don't want to work that hard, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. And, you know, there are a lot of people who just don't. They don't want to change, and they don't want the way they know life to change either. Um, change, I guess, is hard, but um, anyway. Well, necessary, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It well, and, and you know, um, Waco ISD's been through a lot of changes <laughs> um, since I was a teacher there, for sure. We've had, um, we're on our fourth superintendent, or fifth superintendent since I was a teacher, um and since i've been on the school board this is our fourth so um every time you have a new leader there's change Mm -hmm. um and what i believe is we need some stability now we need to start building um and we were building before COVID hit (laughs) and now COVID's just been a body blow but where there's still a lot of good work in process and we're hoping to build um, but we need stability and um, we need and part of stability is is trying ways to make better and more connections with all segments of our community. And I also like the board is now more diverse than it's ever been as yeah. well. Jeremy and Key. And I thought that was pretty cool because I was like, oh, because I didn't, I really didn't know how that was going to go. I don't know if people were going to be receptive or not. Like I was kind of scared. But it does show like Waco is kind of shifting. It's not quick progress, but it's progressing. And I think that that's something to look forward to. Well, and I think for the board, the the objective ultimately will be for every member of the board 
to be working for the entire district. So school board, we're trustees, which means we are stewards. We're, we're responsible for the whole district, not just our district. So my district's District 4, which is um, uh, Mountain View, Hillcrest, Lake Air, that neighborhood. And I could say, well, I'm only interested in what would serve the families that go to these schools. Right. But if you have seven trustees that think that way, it's really hard to get the whole thing moving mm-hmm. forward. And again, we're more alike in Waco ISD than we are different. We have um, all our schools are um, majority minority. We don't have any white schools or black schools or brown schools. We don't have rich schools and poor schools. We're all in it together. And we're only going to succeed if we're all pulling together in the same direction. So um, uh, there's good work going on. And then after, you know, you formed your um, Black Scent after... uh, the events of last summer Mm. and um, after George Floyd's murder last summer, there was a group that came together kind of uh, well, actually Dr. Kim Cannon was, here's another thing about being teaching a good teacher is you have to be vulnerable. You know, you have to uh, basically uh, show what you don't know if you don't know it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because kids can tell kids can tell if you're faking it. Um, so Dr. King Cannon showed a moment of vulnerability. She wrote an open letter to all the employees of Waco ISD, sharing her thoughts on what had happened. And um, it struck a chord in a group of employees within the district that have, that have started and, oh gosh, I now I can't remember the acronym. Oh gosh. Um, they started a group to work on uh equity and diversity oh, yeah. uh, training. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Rochelle Warren, I don't know if you've ever met Dr. Warren. We know her name because um, I know that um, we were working with Quavis. Quavis knows everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and um, <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to connect all of us together so that we could have conversations with them as well. Um, I remember when they started that. Yeah. I didn't really know how it was going or how it was received in the district, but I, we did know about it. Yeah, good. Um, it's going really well. And uh, Dr. Warren gave a report, I think, last month um, about the work of the group and um, what they're planning to do next school year. Um, and it's all good and positive. Um, and she, Dr. Warren, used to be a trainer for the Anti-Defamation League. And I actually got to know her first through training, anti-bias training that she did Mm. in the district that I work for. Excellent trainer and um, a really great experience because we all have bias. Yes. Whether you realize it or not. Whether you realize (laughs) it or not, we all have it. Um, And to say, oh, no, I don't have any. (laughs) Well, that's one. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, So anyway, that works going really well. Dr. Ken Cannon has, uh, there's a lot more diversity in um, the upper administration of the district, which is something that the, was important to the board, and it's been important to her. Um, so, it's good things. Good things. It's changing. I yeah. think that's all that matters. It's like things are changing. That's, uh, yeah, you can, that's super evident. It's not even, yeah, that's cool. I don't, I don't, I, I, I 
These names sound familiar. I'm so bad with names. I'm better with like faces. <laughs> I am names, but it's it's. I think I'm pretty sure I've heard Jeremy like mention it in passing or something like that. You know, with them, especially with all the kind of the saving, save our children stuff that we're trying to like get started up. So I think it's real evident that people are really trying to step up and do more. They just don't really know how. And then I can attest, like I think we all can. But like you know, in our personal lives, it's kind of hard to just step out of like everything that you have going on personally. And then jump into like you know the protests and like the the meetings, you know all the other kind of stuff that you gotta gotta try to attend to kind of make things you know move. Um, but no, yeah, I, I think that's that's nice. I didn't know about that. I didn't know how how deep it was. You know, I didn't, and I didn't know it had started with um with the you said staff members too. I didn't know that. I thought you were gonna say that maybe some students had gotten inspired to like do something. And that would have been super cool, too. But, I mean, you know, it, it's still great that the staff did. But I thought you were going to say, like, you know, the students that came together and, like, started some kind of, No, like, it thing. was really staff that was um, that was touched by Dr. Ken Cannon's uh, message because it was a very, very vulnerable I, – I mean, I don't remember it exactly, but it was it, – I, I think she – she admitted, I don't really know what to do with this. Yeah. This is overwhelming, and um, I know we have work to do. But she didn't come in with having all the answers. And I think, you know, there were a lot of corporations that came out last summer with these canned statements. But then did they really change? Did anything yeah. really happen? Not really. And um, I think that this that letter, because it was vulnerable and came from a, a personal place, it struck a chord with some employees who've started this group. Um, and so we have a lot of good positive stuff. And I think, you know, last month the board passed a resolution expressing concern about the legislation that just passed. Um, who knows what what the effect is going to have. I think it's 3979 is the bill. That, the, the Abbott one. It's about that one. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. the bill that's... Like saying not it. to teach race. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I think that's really outrageous. And I say that because it's like you've already changed the names once because they changed it from um, the transatlantic slave trade to the triangular trade when we were in school. And I noticed that yeah, we were yeah. like in 11th grade and I was like, hold on, like last year it said something different and you need to call it what it is. And I guess my biggest thing is like, if you don't teach them, then how are, like, in, how is anyone supposed to know? And it's like, it's not something that can be forgotten because the generations before these kids are not dead. So, so it's still going to be talked about. Yeah. And so it really doesn't matter. And I'm just like, you know, you can't try to hide truths um, it's It'll just, be interesting to see um, how, what that really translates to in reality. Yeah. I heard Dr. Ken Cannon say a couple weeks ago that she is expecting the um, State Board of Education to make revisions to the uh, uh, objectives for social studies. Yeah. But what that looks like? Because yeah. mm. if you want to really get into it, like the, the history that we're taught is so watered down anyway. So it's like, what are you, what are you now cutting out more of in... So I, I gotta since you are on the school board, um, with the new law being passed saying that like schools can't teach it, could independent groups come in and teach the stuff like the kids that um they're not being taught? I didn't okay, so I didn't know like how that no. how that worked. No, um, school districts are they're public schools, but they're not open to the no. public. So you know, you think about your school day, especially through in y'all's lifetime, you've seen how. Uh, our schools were very open, and now they're very closed with 
um, you know, just fences yeah. as a, a almost a, literally sometimes. Almost yeah, literally, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. So no. Um, and teachers have a responsibility to teach the essential knowledge and skills objectives that the state board of education mandates. Yeah. So um there's a lot of professional discretion about how to go about doing that, but they still are, they still have a responsibility to teach those objectives. And so outside folks um, are just not, uh, you can have a speaker yeah, every yeah. now and then, but not someone that teaches a class. I got you. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yes. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> see how because I'm, I'm kind of interested, like, what is the curriculum going to be? If you take away everything, that's American history. So you're you're essentially taking away either. everything <laughs> because no matter what you say and don't teach race, it, American history is violent yeah. as a whole. They've all, like, there's always been stealing in, um, <laughs> like, bossing somebody around. So yeah. it's like, so what are, what are they going to learn? Are they going to learn 21st century? Like, is that all they're going to learn? Because if you be do world anything. News. Like, you know, world history, like, what are they reshifting from the United States? Yeah, it's altogether? hard to say. I don't know oh. how, I don't know what's going to change or how it's going to change. I, um, I'll plug a book that I just finished, um, How the Word Was Passed, written by Clint Smith. It's, I think, number one on the New York best, uh, New York Times bestseller list right now. But this is exactly what his book's about. He's, um, a young man who has basically looked at our history and how slavery has seeped into our history. It, slavery is a part of our country's history. Yeah. And um, over the last 150 years, how in certain parts of our country we have tried to rewrite that history. <laughs> I don't see what we what they think we gain from that. Like, why not just own up to it, accept it, teach it and Well, I on. recommend his book. It's really eye opening when he, he goes to um he he goes to New York City where New York City would hold itself out as being a, a state that was free and um, home of abolitionists, I guess, right? Um, no slavery here. There's a long, deep history of uh, slavery in the city of New York. <laughs> um, but again, we're not teaching that. So um, anyway, it was a really um, fascinating, enlightening book um, that even things you think you knew, you didn't. Yeah. So, I just, and it's weird because you can't even teach basic human rights without those things being present um because you know you take that away and you don't want to teach race relations or whatever you, they want to call it then you take away the civil rights movement you, like you're taking away civil rights as a whole because That's you can't teach those teach. things <laughs> like you're you can't teach what civil rights are without noting what the civil rights movement was noting slavery and this is a violation of people's civil rights so i'm like you said i'm interested in knowing how they're going to yeah. spend that yeah, because I want a textbook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want the textbook. So I, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean they've been doing a lot of craziness the last few months, and I just tried to kind of. I'm the type of person who's like, if I just don't watch what Greg is doing, <laughs> and the rest of them, then I can, then I like can be not. okay. <laughs> <laughs> then I can be okay because 
I soak everything in and it makes me concerned for the younger generations because I feel like they already don't know so much. And then you're constantly taking away what is going to give them substance and what is going to help them change the world. And it's like, you know, what do you do when they're faced with that outside of school and they have questions in school? You can't send them to the principal's office because they have freedom of speech. So it's like, you know, that's going to be a mess. (laughs) Well, and I think, I think, um, Kids need to be able to talk about it, too. You need you need to be able to have conversations in a safe place, and school should be a safe place mm. for kids to ask questions, to, um, and, you know, teachers, uh, teachers already, at, well, they're professionals, number one. So teachers, political views, religious views, um, those are, those don't have a place in the classroom. Their, their objective is to, allow a safe space for kids to learn if it has to be social if it's social studies to learn about history ask questions and be able to talk mm-hmm. about it with facts yeah. um, and to be able to think critically to look at the information to read information and be able to to question mm-hmm. so we'll see how that <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a teacher anymore, <laughs> no, yeah. so um, I don't have to worry about that so much. But it is something that the board's aware of and um, looking out for. Looking out for. Yeah. For sure. Especially with older kids. I think that's my biggest concern. Is they're going to be like, like I was, like, I think I told um, one of our teachers in social studies, like, he showed us Cleopatra and it was white people. And I said, hmm. why? <laughs> the Egyptians, white. <laughs> it was. Um, whatever the lady's name is, I forgot her name, but Elizabeth Taylor, and I was yeah. just like, "Oh, that's right." The famous, yeah, like <laughs> that famous movie. Cleopatra movie. I was like, "Why are you showing us this?" And he was like, "Oh, it doesn't matter." And I was like, kinda "Yeah, kind of yeah. does." And he got mad at me, but I was like, "This is not an accurate representation of our people, so I have a problem with that." And he was just like, "Just watch the movie," and I was like, uh, "Don't want to," and. <laughs> That's one of the teachers that I never got in trouble with, but it was social studies, so I had you questions. You didn't get in trouble anyway. I did with some of them. I did, but it was because I challenged their adulthood, and I didn't let them tell me anything, and that's the only reason I got in trouble. Um, but when I went to the principal's office, they were like, what are you doing in the house? Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> your teacher didn't want to teach. I don't, I don't know. And that's really what it was. And I asked one of them, how are you upset? Because I'm asking questions because I want to learn yeah. when you have other kids that are talking and disrupting your class, but you got I'm mad, mad at me. me. Yeah. For, <laughs> for wanting to learn more. <laughs> I think I got sent to an English class. Yeah. 11th grade year. She sent me to the office. And then I think it was in like. Um, physics she, he sent me to the office because I told him he told us we need to speed up and I told him that he needs shit slow down and teach us and he got mad yeah. and so I was just like yeah if I'm gonna go to the office I guess it should be for these reasons I mean I don't I About don't know and stuff like that. no it was dumb stuff and I'm yeah. just like you're a horrible teacher you should retire <laughs> seem tired <laughs> but like I I don't know like those things like the times that I did have to speak up for myself and that's really what it was they weren't used to me talking and when i said something and they were like whoa like you talk and yeah. then you, <laughs> this is what you, you have an you opinion <laughs> yeah and so that was really the problem um and i told the social studies teacher he was like do i need to call your mom I was like i can call her for you because <laughs> this is a problem for me and but 
I mean, you're going to run into that with some of these kids that are in high school, too, because that was a problem for me. And I'm like, okay, all these years I've been taught that it was the slave, you know, the transatlantic slave trade. And now it says try because that's something that I approached him about, too. And he was like, oh, it doesn't matter. And it was just like, mm. you Probably are a little is. too dismissive, sir. Yeah. Um, And I had him for three years. <laughs> He moved up. He moved up with us every year because he hated <laughs> us, and he—I don't know if he hated us, if he secretly loved us because he could debate with us. I don't know what it was, but it was nuts. And I was like, "You have to be kidding me!" Yeah. I said, "This schedule is wrong." I went to the counselor and I said, "This is wrong." He was like, "No, this y'all's teaching." I was like, "Why? <laughs> you know why?" But. I think that he's probably one of the reasons that I learned to speak up for myself because yeah. I'm like, this is not right. Um, I don't want to read this textbook, and I don't know. It's 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 crazy because, like you said, some people don't want to change, yeah. and he was one of those people. But now I see him; he acts like he's just everybody's best friend. I'm like, you are nuts, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, so I'm really curious. Um, so being on the board as long as I have been, um, basically since you graduated from high school, um, what um, what advice would you have for a, a board of trustees and the board of trustees of Waco ISD based on the work that y'all have been doing the last year? Oh. <laughs> We're being interviewed. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is that, um, and that's what we tell everyone, even when we were talking to city council members, is they need to hear from the community. They need to talk to the parents. I know the PTA is very, very low attendance, but some kind of way, get the opinions of the parents and of the students. Because I think that that's the only way that you can serve people is if you know what they're in need of. Because you can't go around making things up and you don't even know what the people want. And I think that's been a lot of the uh, friction in WIC between the parents and the the school district is because they never get any input. And so that is big for me. It's like you need to know what people are thinking, even with the communities. Like as far as the city council, you need to be asking the people that are in that community what the community needs because you cannot assume that you know. Yeah. What about the um, the the – uh, community advisory committee's advice about um, maybe having a bond election. Have y'all heard about that? So the committee, we, we had a, a committee that met for six months, and um, they recommended to the board last month that um, they call a bond election to build a new Waco High School, a new uh, Carver Middle School, combining Indian Spring into Carver into one and have one new school and um, a new uh, Tennyson Middle School and combine Kendrick and Alta Vista and rebuild Kendrick. Hmm. <laughs> so that, that was as a result of six months of the committee meeting. It would be a really big bond, $375 million. Wow. Um, the financial information that the board's been given at this point, um, very conservative estimates would be uh, if if the board were to call an election for to do all of that work, um, taxes would be raised on the average home um, $120 a year. Average. Are we being honest? Yeah. Well, 
I think um, as far as combining the schools, that becomes concerning for me because I grew up across the tracks and I went to Wiley and that was the closest middle school to my home. Then Wiley was gone after we left literally like Mm -hmm. my eighth, after my eighth grade year, they were there maybe a year and then it was gone. Carver was a magnet school. So a lot of kids couldn't go there, but even still both were at capacity because they're serving one neighborhood mm-hmm. because East Waco mm-hmm. is kind of a large area. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people realize like that's kind of a vast, it's not as big as North Waco, but that's kind of a big area to only have one middle school. Well, so that was a question that a lot of members of the committee had. And so they drilled down to show where all the kids are living that attend university and who attend Carver. Both schools right now are half full. Both Indian Spring and Carver have less than half um, Mm. capacity. And a lot of the kids that are going to Indian Spring don't live near Indian Spring. Mm -mm. I learned that. Yeah. So so ideally, or or once the committee was shown how many kids don't live around Indian Spring, because there was a lot of concern about kids having to take a bus to Carver, but then when you look at where the kids are, the kids are already having to go to Indian Spring, the way the lines are drawn. And I don't know if um, the lines would say the same anyway, if uh, you end up, if you go from four middle schools to three. Mm-hmm. But ironically, uh, other, you know, opposite of what you're saying right now, Carver is underattended uh, by about half. Well, and that's crazy. We had seven middle schools when I was in middle school. Oh my gosh. We did. <laughs> we had seven middle schools. We had um University Wiley, Middle, Carver Wiley. University Middle, Middle Tennyson, Lake Air, Brazos, and there was one more. There were like seven middle schools because we um we played sports and so that's how we were able yeah. to stay in town because we had so many middle schools that we could just play each other and we didn't have to travel. It was crazy. <laughs> right now we just have four. That sounds kind of fun, though. Just playing the, yeah, yeah it, was, it was crazy. <laughs> and so it's just, it's crazy to hear you say from, you know, four to three. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. We, there, was, there was a lot of kids back then because, like, we used to go to those schools and they were full. And we yeah. were like, hey, y'all, see y'all getting the tournament. Like, it was so many kids, but... I don't know if people are moving out or people having less children. I don't know well, what's going on. you know, on. Our, our enrollment has been, has played, stayed pretty flat over the last 20 years. It's trending down, but not by a lot, maybe 100 kids. Um, but the district kind of hovers um, 14,000 14, to 15,000 in there. So I'm, I don't know without looking, but it may have been that, that was before Cesar Chavez was built. Oh, that's the other middle school. Okay. Well, and Cesar Chavez is much larger um, than the old traditional schools, so it might have. Well, yeah, and I don't, I don't know how things were moved around at the time. Because I, I think that they were built um, maybe my sixth grade year. Yeah. And so by the time we were in seventh grade, they like we were competing with them as well. That's the other middle school, but I forgot that one mm-hmm. because that was a newer school. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like it's so crazy. It's really like mind blowing to hear yeah. 
because I know that these kids are busting because there was literally a middle school in every neighborhood seemed like that. I think, I think when all of our schools, most of the schools in the district were built, most of our schools are really old. Yeah. University Um, was very, Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know what? I tell you what people who say, Oh, the buildings don't matter. It doesn't matter where kids are. I I thought, oh my gosh, if you could come share just a day in the life <laughs> that we had at University High School when it the weather was bad. Something it's always something. Falling apart. Cold. It was cold. Um, it I was hot. I hate being oh. cold. <laughs> the just, elevator rarely worked. We didn't have technology. No. Gosh, we had a. I think there's a. Didn't didn't Keith get into a little bit of that when he when they came on the show? Yeah, somebody got into those, it because that, uh, that was some of those buildings were. Hmm. I feel like Wiley was an older building, but it was very well kept, and so a lot of it's the, a pretty building. It is, and it yeah. was very well kept. So it had an old infrastructure, but we didn't have a lot of those problems because the building was kept well, and I don't know. Um, which is some of our buildings right now are yeah. like Alta Vista was built in 1909. Yeah, they're very old. And my lot's changed. Yeah. My mom <laughs> went to university and like the same teachers were in the same building that she was in when she graduated high school. And I was just like, wow, this is very telling. Um, <laughs> that's kind of not OK, because my mom had me at like 26 to 27. So, I mean, that's a lot of years after she had me because I had to grow up and go to high school. Yeah, so it's yeah, like, you know, <laughs> so that's a heads up. And now that, now that y'all were talking about that, you know, my number, you've got my email, you hear stuff, you got questions, you talk to people and y'all are out and about. And as people start to ask questions and have concerns, you just text me. Okay. Hey, what's yeah, this? What's people, going on? People Here's our email. Questions. Yeah. Like, okay. I don't, we, we don't know sometimes yeah. and I tell them, but we'll find get you out. an answer. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get you an answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this has been, yeah. I didn't expect this conversation to go this way. I'm yeah. like, hmm. <laughs> now I have things to think about. That brought up to me, like when you mentioned the whole like $120, you know, dollar tax to some people that might not be a lot, but I don't know. Like you $10 know, a about, month to some people is a lot. Exactly. And yeah. we talk about like um, one big thing that we talk about just like with blacks and stuff like that is like property tax and stuff like that. So we there's already concern that a lot of neighborhoods are being gentrified and people are being pushed out. And that I, I'm, I went to Midway and, you know, I moved here in fifth grade. So Marlin and Midway are the only two school districts I really have like, you know, a foot in. Mm-hmm. Some people start talking about Waco schools and stuff like that. I'm just, I'm just kind of like, you know, chill because I don't want to, I don't, I don't have like too big of an opinion to say. I can just kind of speak from just like the community aspect of it. And community wise, I, if that, that where she mentioned like checking in with the community, that'd be like the number one step. Like, do y'all feel like y'all need another um school? Do y'all feel like we should try to do downsides and upgrade, do all these things, or do y'all think how, like, are y'all making it? You know, are y'all able to do, or is it something that we can use this grant money for to help y'all, you know, transform? Not enough. That, and I see that's crazy to me. That's Mm-mm. crazy. And that, that, I think that testifies a lot to, like, the, how we, we do progress and we do get stuff, some stuff right, but there's still, like, a whole lot to work on, like, uh, like a bridge had collapsed today in like DC and I know that's a whole different state and kind of mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and that's like more irrelevant but people are talking about just like infrastructure and how we don't like invest in infrastructure. Well and I think so that's a really good example 
and going back to what I was saying as a trustee, as a trustee, it's not about me. Yeah. It's not about Angela T. Kill. It's not about me being a politician or wanting to be somebody. It's about me doing what I can to protect our community and our children. Yeah. And when I see, based on all the information that was presented to this committee, that we have schools that are simply not meeting the needs of our kids and our kids can't compete. Our kids don't have the technology or the ability to have programs that other districts have Mm -hmm. because of our facilities. As a trustee, I think for me, okay, community, here we are. And, um, I, I, you need to know this is the state of affairs and this is, this is where our facilities are. And maybe this is overdue, but here we are. And as a community, we need to do what we can to give the most opportunity to our kids. Right. And having personally experienced that old university high school, <laughs> I can tell you what it's a hard job. And when you're in a room that's cold, when you don't have technology, when you don't have plugs that work, when, um, you know, things leak, windows, it, it's just this the job's hard yeah yeah. and the other thing for me i think is what are we telling our kids about their value to us Mm -hmm. if we don't provide them the best facilities especially because you got got, also when you're talking about kind of like advice that we can give i was thinking about you know social media and the internet exists so you know if there's something that they're not learning in schools there it's not impossible for them to learn it anyway so oh i forgot where i was going with this but it like you know um no, I lost it. No, <laughs> completely lost it. I had a whole point, and I, I was so Something happy about, about it. social media. Yeah, but I, I don't remember. It was like it. I, it's something that to me it was like the kids. Okay, yeah, no, I remember now. So, in terms of like you know high school students, middle school students, anyone that you know gets a phone, you're seeing like for example the midway kids like have iPads and stuff like that on a daily like for daily usage. And, yeah, you're wondering why, like, I'm having to, like, get, you know, a leaky seal. Like, you know, dripping water off my phone is falling from the, you know, ceiling while I'm trying to learn and All stuff like time. that. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I I hear I hear both sides. That's a really. So it is it is really a um, uh, taxing. Hard place. It is. <laughs> yeah. Because we don't have enough money to, we don't have $55 million to build a new middle school. Yeah. Um, we don't have a hundred and. 50, it's going to cost $150 million to build a new Waco High School. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the only way to do it is through selling bonds. And the only way to be able to sell bonds is to get um, community approval to sell the bonds. Um, so I don't know uh, what the final decision of the board's going to be. I don't know um, if the board will approve the whole package that the committee has recommended or some part of it. Um but I do know I have the more I've thought about it, I've thought because some people on our committee were like, why haven't y'all done something about this before? <laughs> and um, and I think, you know, there's something to be said for that when you look at the state of affairs. Um, so as a community, again, we're going to have to get together and do um, what's best for our kids. Yeah. <laughs>
it's just crazy because like you said like now i'm thinking about it and thinking about where your classroom was i just had a flashback of winter time oh so miserable in there <laughs> we were like in this ducked off corner i know we by the elevator window. and the room was very oddly shaped mm-hmm. and so it's like imagine this room but a little bigger and then you have like 14 students in there and you're trying to learn and this wall is where the dry erase board is but it's very long and triangular and we're trying to learn and having to keep the door closed but then there are those windows (laughs) and so it's just like those things matter and sometimes we didn't want to do our work because we were freezing well you know some i've heard some people say um well until waco these kids do better um, it's not time to have, it's not time to do something about our facilities because we need to do something about the instruction. And I've, I've reflected a lot on that. And I think, now, wait a minute. <laughs> um, I think it's all intertwined and I don't know how you can expect, um, kids to learn in environments that aren't conducive to learning yeah. how you can expect the best teachers to continue to stay yeah. in those environments when they can go work in a Somewhere neighboring <laughs> yeah another school district that has a classroom with a projector and technology and yeah. um, so i think and the other thing is i really feel like it's punishing for ki- now people who have that mindset it's like we're punishing kids um, when you do better then I'll make sure you have a facility yeah. that that is equal to your peers. Yep. And so it's kind of like, well, wait a minute. Why am I not doing better? I, I, blaming the kids, I think, basically. And that's where I get upset because I think, wait a minute. This isn't on the kids. This is on the adults. Um so a lot of a lot of hard decisions to come for sure, and especially with raising with rising property costs and appraisal values, yeah, then a, a tax increase will feel um, more. Yeah. However, the district's uh, tax rate has gone down. Um, and is it the it's at a I don't know I should have gotten my numbers right, but but our tax rate right now is the lowest it's been in a while. Um, so we'll see. Yes, and if anybody has any questions, just email, email, ask us, DM us. Mm-hmm. Our DMs are always open. I tell people that every episode, but I'm serious because, like we said, if we don't know, we'll get the answer for you guys. Um, I don't have anything else. <laughs> I don't. We've been talking. This was a good conversation, though. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I could talk to you guys all night. <laughs> We've been talking for a while. And that's the danger with us in this podcast. When she first asked us to do it, like, yeah, we can do it. But if you get us started talking, talking <laughs> and we start well, opening up these rabbit holes, then it's like. You then, know, curiosity. Um, I just wish more people were curious. Yeah. yeah. And ask questions. And and like you, Jasmine, when they when they got an answer that was BS called them on it yeah yeah, yeah. i like to argue that. that's why i want to be a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> you'd be a good lawyer yeah. i'm not gonna give up on that yeah. there's still time you, there time, is any, any point where you want to do it miss super super you know you can do this for a little while I yeah we it. did mock trial and i used to get frustrated because i was just like i know i'm arguing good yeah. why aren't we winning <laughs> <laughs> But no, um, I think that this has been a great conversation, and I, yeah, I'm glad we didn't do any pre 
pre yeah, no. um pre-scripted questions or anything like that because I don't think that we would have learned a lot yeah. of the things that we learned today. Well, what I would like from you guys is to keep us honest. And as you watch the conversation about um, schools and bond, uh, if you feel like uh, I've got a blind spot or the board has a blind spot or um, you have a suggestion of a community that we can tap into or an idea how to do that, let me know. You okay. have my cell phone number, you have my email, and I'm always happy to get a text from you. And I have to say when, I, I can't remember who you interviewed, um, you guys interviewed somebody in the spring and I thought, well, I want to be on that show. <laughs> was it Keith and Jeremy? They did an interview together, and they, we've talked to a lot, a lot of people. Of people. Yeah. I don't oh, remember. I don't remember who it was. I it might have been um, maybe maybe Kelly Palmer. Oh, okay. we did talk yeah. to Kelly. Yeah, yeah, District yeah. Four. yeah, yeah. yeah. It probably was Kelly. Yeah, we talked. Yeah, we talked to Kelly. We talked to Lane from Second and Clay. It's been an interesting season. It's been a good I'm season. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have anything else. No, I don't either. Thank I you. I appreciate you. Guys. Yeah, no, of course. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> I'm I'm like re- I'm really uh, in awe of all of your doing, and um, you know, if we could just get more people to actually do, do. the work, right, <laughs> instead of just say. talking about it. We see the same people all the time, but I think that it just takes courageous people, and we're learning that some people are probably just scared, and I get that. I mean. I'm always like, okay, don't come looking for me, but <laughs> this is what I have to say, and this is what is this is what is right, and I think just being courageous and um, unapologetic is something that we all have to learn. Like even what you saying, you know, it's not the kids' fault. Like wait a minute, because I get upset too. I'm like, well, it's not the kids, so yeah. <laughs> leave the babies alone. <laughs> but I'm so glad that you came. Um, Thank you guys. Any way that we can work with you, we're definitely willing to do so. To have a better, um, more equitable community um, throughout Waco, Waco ISD, because I know that those kids, like, that's one of the reasons we started our organizations is because, you know, a lot of people don't have a voice, especially the New Black Collective. Like, we grew up in Waco ISD, we already know, and um, Indian Spring is actually our adoptive school uh, through oh. Transformation Waco, yeah. So, Mr. Alexander is principal there, and mm-hmm. so, naturally, we were like, okay, Mr. Alexander, how, do we, how are we going to help? And so just, you know, knowing those kids and like you said, they don't even live in the area. We've already learned. That's why I was like, I learned firsthand mm-hmm. what was going on um, and just wanting to help those kids. And then also, you know, Carver is home to a lot of us as well. So most definitely I'm going to ask people like, what do you think? And, you know, what's your and, opinion? And I'll, and I'll just put a plug in for the website. If you just put in Waco ISD Community Advisory Committee, there's a whole page dedicated to that committee and okay. all the PowerPoint presentations that they heard and all that information I was telling you that shows where kids live. Um, that's all in there. Awesome. So it's a, there's a lot of good information. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, if, if we don't have you know anything else, uh, thank you again for coming Thanks, on guys. and just you know sharing with us. Um, I'm David Yar with Blackson. And I am Jasmine with the New Black Collective. And as always, you can follow us on Instagram at Stories of the Streets, Facebook, Stories of the Streets. Email us at Stories of the THA Streets at gmail.com. And as always, we are sponsored by Rogue Media, Change Waco, the New Black Collective, and Black Scent.
This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.